0: I'm fired up. Maybe it's a new mic. I don't know, but I'm fired up. How many are ready for the word? Come on, you really ready for the word? All right. There you go. We have been in the middle of a, a message theme entitled, What God Likes. And we just felt like that we wanted to spend some time focusing on what God likes. And here's what I found. God likes when we talk about what God likes. And so we've spent the last few weeks, we talked about God likes worship. Last week, we talked about God likes unity. And today, I want to close out this message theme by talking about another thing that God likes. Write it down if you're taking notes. God likes the lost. God likes the lost. Now, we got Mr. Rylan Harris back there on screens. He's running screens for us today. And I texted him earlier this morning. And I said, You better eat your Wheaties this morning because I got some scriptures today. All right? So I'm going to tell all y'all, You better eat your Wheaties because we got some scriptures today. Hope that doesn't bore you. How many like the word? You like the word? All right, so we're going to be reading some scriptures today. So I want you to get ready. We're going to make it really convenient for you. Instead of you having to flip to it, uh, it's going to be on the screens today. uh, And then you can go back and fact check us when you get home if you don't trust us. God likes the lost. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to speak to these incredible people. I'm praying, Lord, that you would help me to convey this message the way that you dropped it into my heart. Your word is powerful. It's like a, a sharp two-edged sword that does surgery and does works. I'm praying that your word will do its work today. Do surgery on us. Implant things into us. Do reconstruction, God, if need be. I'm also praying that your Holy Spirit would come. Accompany your word today. Bring life. Bring change. Bring transformation. And I thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, help us to know your heart. And help us to like what you like. And everybody say, Amen. God likes the lost. Matter of fact, in Luke chapter 15, where we began today, you find that God, Jesus, takes an entire chapter and devotes it to the lost. An entire chapter of Him talking about the lost. Let's read it today. Luke chapter 15... And I'm reading from the message because I really, really, really like the way it speaks to this today. Luke 15. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. I love that. How many of you used to have a doubtful reputation? Just raise your hand. If your neighbor's not raising their hand and they need to, just raise their hand for them right now. Come on, how many of you had a doubtful reputation? Yes, you did. That's right. Doubtful reputation. One translation says that they were tax collectors and they were publicans and they were sinners. But listen to this. A lot of times, men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. Then here comes the religious folks. The Pharisees and the religion scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends, and their grumbling triggered this story. Before I tell you the rest of the story, though, I want to stop right there, and I want to ask you this. Have you found that religious people get upset when the church tries to minister to the lost? Isn't that amazing how in an uproar, We can get when suddenly someone who's a Christian artist decides to do something that is secular. And the church just goes crazy. People just lose their mind. If someone says we're going to spend. I talk to pastors all the time all across the nation that said man our church was doing great. We were having wonderful and people were coming. Everybody was happy until we said we're going to serve this area of our community. Because there are people that are hurting and lost there. And he said, people just constricted and got upset. I told Kristen on the way to church today, I am so happy that we pastor a church that doesn't get upset about that kind of stuff. That we can say, we're going to reach out to this community. We're going to send money to Louisiana. Not one fuss. Matter of fact, people are celebrating it and figuring out how they can give and how much more they can give. I want to thank you for being that kind of church. That makes a pastor's job easy, I'm going to tell you that. So Jesus, Jesus looks at them because they're fussing about it. And he takes the entire rest of Luke 15 and he preaches right to them. Right to the religious folks. So everybody look at me. He talks about his love for the lost while preaching to the church. So look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you now. Come on, y'all are a little quiet. I don't know if I can handle this or not. Come on, we're talking about what Jesus likes. I'm going to need you to help me out, okay? All right, here we go. Suppose, he says, one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, you would call in all your friends and neighbors saying, Celebrate with me. I have found my lost sheep. Count on it, Jesus says. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescue than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. So Jesus stops and says, let me talk first about the lost sheep. We're talking about that God likes the lost, but I would tell you God loves the lost. He loves, his heart beats for the lost. And I know us church folks, we think that it's really all about us. We don't say it, but we think it. We think that everything that happens in our world is about us. And it's about our comfort. And it's about us succeeding. And us being abundant. And us being powerful. And us being. And then we, we, won't, we won't really say it. But when it comes time. When it comes time to give towards something. Or it comes time to serve in an area. When we say hey we're going to serve our community. We don't say it's about us. But our actions show that it's about us. Let me say something to you. If you're not a part of the hills, or part of a local church, if you're not giving, if you're not serving, if you're not gathering, you're missing out on everything that God's called you to do. If you just come on Sunday morning and enjoy the worship and enjoy the word and never put that into action, guess what? It's all about you. If you leave and you go home and you say, well, that was good worship today. I thought the preacher did pretty good. I'm not sure if I like that microphone or not. It seems a little too newfangled to me. And why was he fidgeting? He had a little twitch going on. What was going on? If that's your discussion on the way home, guess what? Church has become about you. I want to encourage you today. It is not about us. At the hills, we talk about this all the time. It's about two things. Him and and them write that down him and them tweet that him and them it is about that it's not about us so Jesus went back at these folks and he began to say look I'm not sent toward to you I know that you think it's all about you but it's not he said matter of fact if one of you is lost I will leave the 99 and go after the one And you notice what it says? It didn't say, I'll leave them in a sheepfold with a fence. He said, I'll leave them in a wilderness. Anybody ever felt like God left you in a wilderness and took off after the one? You know why he can do that? Because he trusts that his grace and his salvation is good enough. We don't trust that. We think he's always got to be around us and teaching us. And he said, No, that's not the matter of fact. If you and I trust in Psalms 23 that says he's a good shepherd that leads us by still waters and leads us to green pastures and takes care of our needs and keeps us healthy, we should also trust that he knows what's best for us when he leaves us and goes after the lost. Come on, church. Come on, religious folks. Come on, Nashville. I want you to get this. It is not about us. Jesus keeps driving this home. I want to say this to you. God loves you. I don't want you to get that wrong. God loves you. God loves us because we're all his sheep. And like, like sheep, all of us have gone astray. Amen. Isaiah says we've all gone astray. But here's the deal. When you came home, you had your day. Why do you have to have another one every day? He says this. He says, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sheep than every single one of you that keep plodding along. God keeps bringing it back to us. God likes to party. And what makes God party is lost people. Then he goes on to say, imagine a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny? That's a little Mississippi terminology right there, until she finds it. And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me, I found my lost coin. Count on it, he says again. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. One of the things we love to do around here is at the end of our message, at the end of our day, we give people a chance to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, to accept them into our heart. We don't believe that's just to raise the hand. No, we believe when that hand goes up, that angels get on the tiptoes, that they start tuning up guitars and breaking out trumpets and confetti gets ready. The party time happens. And look, I know that you and I think that when we show up to church that God is like, yes! are here party angels they had a rough week and they made it through tough things and fussed with the kids on the way to church and man it's just been bad for y'all let's celebrate because they got their own time I don't mean to be condescending all right but I want you to get my point God celebrates when lost come home now look Thank y'all for that little clap. It's like, a, it's like a, a car starting on a cold day. Y'all can go ahead. It's fine. Don't you clap for me. It's the word today. That's good. Do we, we clap here? Yes, we clap here. It's fine. It's good. 11, verse 11 says this. And then he said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now, What's coming to me? So we've talked about the lost sheep. We've talked about the lost coin. And now I want us to talk about the lost son. And many of you know this as the prodigal. And a lot of you know this story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, because this is a longer passage. I'm going to tell you quickly for those of you that don't know this story. The story is there was a, a father that had two sons, one was older, one was younger. And one day, the younger son came to the daddy, and he said, I want what's mine right now. I want you to give it to me. And the father gave it to him. And I'm going to tell you something real quick, and this is good notes for everybody, young and old, but especially young. It's never a good thing when you take things out of God's timing. It's just not good. It's just not a good thing. It does not end well. Ask Abraham how that worked out. Ask your neighbor how that worked out. Ask me how that worked out. Anytime that you and I try to do things outside of God's timing, it is not a good thing. Can I hear an amen from you that have messed up? Amen. And so the father gives it to him because it's a free will kind of thing and the the young son takes it and immediately just blows it. Blows it on uh, fine wine and dining and prostitutes and Until finally it's all gone and all of his friends left him. And he finds himself needing work to eat. And so he starts taking care of pigs and not paying enough. So he finds himself so hungry that he he thinks, I'll I'll just eat what the pigs are eating. And the owner wouldn't even let him do that. You know you're in bad shape when they won't even give you pig slop. You know what I mean? That is bad. That's low down, right? That's poe. I was raised I was raised poor but that's Poe all right <laughs> deep down Poe and says I know what I'll do I'll go back home I'm going to go to my daddy's cuz the servants at my daddy's house Eat better than I'm eating right now. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my daddy, Daddy, look, I'm not coming back as a son. I'm going to come back as a servant. And I love this. On his way home, verse 20 says this. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Y'all, I don't know if that speaks to y'all, but that speaks to me. Number one, daddy had been sitting on the porch waiting for him. Come on, those of you that are prodigals, you found your way, way out there, and you're wondering if God will accept you back. He's waiting on you. He's sitting on his Cracker Barrel rocking chair just waiting on you to come back home. And then he didn't even let him get close to him. The daddy takes off off the Can you see the dust? Imagine that boy's heart when he comes with his head down and looks up, and there's a dust storm coming, and he realized it's his elderly father just booking it to him. He runs, embraces him, and immediately the Bible says in verse 21. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't even listening. Don't you love that? He was too busy calling the servants. Quick, get this boy a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I love this. And then I want you to go get that grain-fed heifer and roast it. If you read on in this translation, it actually says, get the barbecue brisket and get it ready. Come on, how many of y'all want to go back home right now? He said, get that grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. He was given up for dead, and now he's alive. He was given up for lost, and now he's found. And they began to have a wonderful time. In other words, what the father was saying, y'all get ready to party because the fellow that was lost is now found. God loves the lost. And of course, you know the story, what happens. The elder son, the righteous one, the one that did things right, did things by the book, gets mad about it. He's been out working in the field. He comes walking and hears the music. He goes, what's going on? And a servant says, well, your your little brother's home, and we're celebrating. He goes, what? Celebrating? Let me tell you something. You can write this one down. God will see if you're ready for success by testing you with someone else's success. If you get upset when they succeed, that tells me you're not ready to succeed. If you get jealous and frustrated when they get more followers than you get, you're not ready for that, all right? So what the elder brother mindset is, wait, I've been here the whole time. I've been giving and serving and caring and sharing. and I've been doing things right. Here's the deal. It's not about you checking a list off if you get accepted or not. And so here's what the father says. The father says, let me explain something to you in verse 31. He says, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. Stop right there. This would completely destroy jealousy and an elder brother's spirit if we would just understand. I'm already here. I get everything that he has. It's accessible to me. But this elder brother was so, he was so focused on checking the list off. And getting the things done right. And letting everybody know that he was the good brother. Let me tell you. This wasn't the first time he got mad about his little brother. It just came out at this point. He's so busy checking the list off and being righteous. Or I'll say self-righteous. That he missed out on all the stuff that was accessible to him. Because he was already home. And the father says everything that is mine is yours. But boy this is a wonderful time. We had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. I want you to say this with me. Nothing makes God happier than the lost being found. Come on, get that in your heart. Nothing makes God happier than the lost being found. I mean, he throws a party for everyone. I love this. Like, the daddy didn't just say, well, it's just going to be me and the prodigal. No, it's going to be me, it's going to be the elder son, and all the servants. Y'all leave the field. Everybody come on in. God wants everybody to party. I love how Jesus did it. Jesus didn't have a select few. You better check the list. You better get this right. Let me check make sure that your breath smells right. Let me see if your teeth are straight. Let me see how much sin you have in your life. No, Jesus said whosoever will how many of you ever been going down social media and, and you'll say oh i want to see I, let me check them out you go to click on it and it says this person's feed is protected you need permission to follow them i ain't gonna do it because i don't want to ask them permission to follow them all right i just i don't, I don't want to do it all right jesus doesn't have a permission protected feed okay it is you want to follow me just come on follow me. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Just come on and be a part of me. Here's what I was saying. If you're taking notes, write this down. Why would Jesus give all that he gave and only offer it to a select few? Why? Now we got all kinds of people here today that come from different backgrounds and many of you come from religions that thought you were the only ones going to heaven. Come on, y'all, you know, you're worshiping with people right now that you thought was going to hell a few years ago. You did, yes, you did. Don't, come on, y'all, everybody thinks I'm talking about the Church of Christ. I ain't, I'm talking about the Pentecostals, the Baptists. Y'all know, that's exactly how it was. All right, you may not have thought they were going to hell, but you thought they were going to have a different part of heaven. They won't have full access, you know what I'm saying? It's like economy class, our people are going to be in first class. Am I I talking to y'all right now? Yeah. But here's the deal. Whosoever will. It's wide open. He did not give. He did not come and live a sinless life. Be brutally massacred. Bleed out like an animal. Just for a few people. He did it for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave. God loves the lost. There's another great story. Speaking of throwing parties. In Luke chapter 14. Everybody good? Y'all still with me? Come on. You feel your heart changing today just a little bit? God likes the loss. In Luke chapter 14, the Bible says that a man threw a great big dinner party. And he said, "I'm gonna, all my invited guests sent out invitations. I'm going to have them come in. But guess what? The invited guest found excuses not to come. The people that were chosen said, you know what, I got a lot going on in my life. So the scripture says in Luke 14 and 21 says, he told his servants, I want you to collect all who look like they need a good square meal. All the misfits and the homeless and the wretched. Anybody you can lay your hands on and bring them here. Stop right there. Let me say something to you. Just as God opened up, Everything to the Jewish people, but because they didn't accept him and they rejected him, he turned to the Gentiles and thank God he did, all right? Opened it up to the entire world for all of us to be there through Jesus Christ. However, I'm gonna say something to you. I truly believe that that same that same thing still holds. That if God reaches out to you and He gives you an opportunity to do something great, to go deeper to be stronger and you and I stiff arm him and give him excuses and reject his calling, he will turn to someone else because his will will be accomplished. Can I get an amen from someone here today? So I want to encourage you, just accept it. So he said, you know what? The master said, they don't accept it. I want you to go get the misfits. How many are glad God goes after misfits? I want you to go get the weird ones. I want you to go get them, bring them on in. And the servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded, and there's still room. And the master said, all right, enough of the city, folks. I want you to get out to the country, okay? I want you to go to the country roads, and whoever you find, drag them in. Why? And this is key, because I want my house full. If you're writing it down, write this down. God likes a full house. Lay your hands on them. Drag them in. Go. Go. Bring them in. Let me say something. Wherever Jesus is should be a full house. But here's the problem. Sometimes the folks that are invited do not accept the invitation. And so the folks in the country and the folks that are misfits, they don't even know that they have a place to go eat. Listen to me. This is important. How shall they know unless someone tell them? And how is anybody going to tell them unless they be sent That's what the Bible says. There has to be something in us that changes. We're praying for God to win the city of Nashville. And God is saying, I need some help. Because I've got a big old house here with plenty of food. And yes, it's a full house today. And yes, there were a lot of people here at nine. That's great. But it's still not full enough. I died for every single one of them. And there are people out there that don't know they have an invitation. They don't know they have a place to get healthy. They don't know they have a place to find hope. Ladies and gentlemen, but we know where they can find it. And it is our job to go tell them. Can I hear an amen from the non-ameners today? (laughs) Write this down. God wants all of us to be bringers. God wants every single one of us to be bringers. Look at your neighbor and say, hashtag be a bringer. Turn to your second choice and say, what's a hashtag? (laughs) Let me read this other one to you. This is amazing. Mark chapter 2. Told you why we were going to read some scripture today. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no room. God likes a full house. Even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on the mat. A man that could not make his way to Jesus. But he had four friends. Come on y'all. Everybody needs friends like that. But he had four friends. That took a day off work. That left their families. Put this fella on a mat. And the Bible says they carried him to Jesus. But when they got there. They couldn't bring him to Jesus. Because of the crowd. So they just said oh well. I guess you're not supposed to receive what Jesus has for you. No they didn't. The Bible says they climbed up on top of the house and they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Now look at this, y'all. Notice that word, dug, right? I mean, Mr. Omer here understands roofing. There are people here that understand construction. Now, when we do roofing, it's shingles, it's some press board, and then you're inside, right? Not here. It was mud and thatch and nasty and it was thick. These fellows had to work. They began to dig and claw and scratch. And can you imagine the commotion that What if right now I was speaking and stuff just started falling down from the ceiling? And all of a sudden this guy just starts being lowered down right in front of me. The Bible says this guy lowered down, he lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus and Jesus seeing their faith said to the paralyzed man, "My child, your sins are Forgiven to you. Listen to me. We got to be willing to do whatever it takes. To get them to him. I'm going to say it again. We got to be willing. To do whatever it takes. To get them to to him because there's so many boundaries and there's so many barriers it is our job as believers to make the boundaries disappear if there's a roof blow the roof off if there's a door kick the door in well I don't know if I can I can't make it I don't have a ride I'm gonna give you a ride I will pick you up 30 minutes before church I'll get you an Uber. Whatever we got to do, we will get you there. Well, then what if, I'll buy your lunch? I love uh, Coach Maddox brought an entire crew of folks to church just by buying them lunch. And Tara as well. Just going to buy them lunch. Whatever it takes for us to get people to Jesus, we need to do it. Man, there's a... There's one church, that they're, one of their mission statements, we're going to do anything except sin to get people to Jesus. <laughs> Come on, are we willing to do whatever it takes? We know where people can find hope and health. We know where people can find life. But are we willing to do whatever it takes? Look, this is awesome, this invite. In a moment, we're going to be praying over these invites. But it can't end right here. It can't be, well, this is checking the list off. Here you go. It has to be, something has to be attached to it. The Bible says in Luke, the Bible says, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those who were lost. Everybody say, seek. You know what that means? That means work. You don't just stumble across something. You're seeking after it. You're, you're looking for it. You're researching. I mean, you're investigating. You're seeking. It. It's work. I want you to say this with me. The work of God... Is work It's work work. It requires labor It requires some blood Some sweat And some tears It requires that You ever notice this The, the, The thing about Jesus Is that He worked He did it He sought after people Let me just say Something to you if if you're there's if like like Brandon Rockoff, we said a moment ago, if your fingerprints aren't on something at the hills and this is your home, you're missing out on what God wants you to do. At the end of the service today, when someone raises their hands and they give their heart to Jesus Christ and the angels get ready to celebrate, you and I need to be able to say I was a part of that. I was a part of that. The guys that get here at 6 a.m. in the morning and set up these chairs and set up this stage and put the lights together. The guys that stay late afterwards. the, The teachers that study all week long the love on your children in the back. The hosts that are there. These are the people that's got their fingerprints. There's some blood, some sweat, and some tears. These are the people that have seek on them. Jesus said, I'm seeking those and I'm saving those. Saving. There's a scripture in Jude, Jude verse 23, says this. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Reaching into the fire and pulling people out. I don't know about you, but there have been times I felt like I was just this close to losing it all. But thank God for someone that reached in and pulled me out. I don't know if you saw that on the news, but the police officer with a body camera. How many saw that? There was a wreck and the driver was killed and there was a guy trapped in the back. And the car caught on fire. And body cameras catch all kind of things. We see it on the news all the time now. But man, we need to be showing more of this. This guy reaching in and pulling this guy out of those flames. And something in me, this scripture just leaped to me. Reaching in and pulling them out of those flames. That's what we're called to do. Reaching to where people are. Where it's uncomfortable. It's going to get a little heated. You may get some blisters on you. But it's worth it. Reaching in and pulling them out. And to do this, we got to have the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 says this. Then Jesus made a circuit of all of the towns and villages. Did y'all hear that? He made a circuit of the towns and villages. Jesus worked. He sought people. He went after. He was busy. You ever notice that every time Jesus stops, the disciples fall asleep? They were tired (laughs) because Jesus worked. Got up early, went to bed late. He worked. He said he, he traveled all around. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news. He healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. And when he looked over the crowds, the Bible says his heart broke. Because they were so confused and aimless, like sheep with no shepherd. His heart broke. One translation said his heart had compassion for them. Y'all, we need to have the heart of Jesus. That when we look at people, our heart breaks for them. There's a song, Hill Song saying that says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Can be so easy for it to become about us. And he goes on to say to them, he said, to the disciples, he said, What a huge harvest! And how few workers. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. Not only do we need to have the heart of Jesus. But we need to pray that our hands could become harvest hands. These hands. Look at them right now. Look at these hands. Look at them. Not mine. Yours. (laughs) That was a little confusing wasn't it? Come on everybody take your hands out and look at your hands. These hands. With what they did this morning. What they'll do today. And what they do on Monday. You and I need to pray that God turns these hands into harvest hands. Where you are with what you're doing. God's not asking you, not all of you, some of you maybe, but God's not asking you to book a trip to Africa. God's not asking you to go live somewhere that you don't have to live. God says, "Right where you are. right who you're around. Everybody say, start where you are. When he's walking down, the first disciples he calls is this, fishermen. And guess what he says to them? Come with me. I'm going to let you keep what you're doing, We're just going to change the mindset of it. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're not going to have to change anything. Just do what you do right where you are and watch God. So those of you that are involved in, in some type of business or you're involved in some type of career that you can't fit. Well, I'm not a preacher. and I, I'm not evangelist. I, couldn't, I could never do that. Start where you are. Just start by doing something good. The Bible says, let your deeds, like a city on a hill, do good works, and people are going to glorify God which is in heaven. Start right there. I want to close with this passage. Man, I could go all day on this one. Got one yeah on that one. And that one wasn't even really an amen. We're like, yeah, we know you could. (laughs) We would rather you not. passage we read a few weeks ago how many were here when we talked about the woman at the well remember that woman at the well we talked about worship so remember what happens Jesus tells her everything that she's done and then he tells her that he's the Messiah so that's where we're coming up and the Bible says in John 4 and 28 and the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone come see a man that told me everything I ever did could he possibly be the Messiah So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And the disciples show back up. And here they are. They're religious. Remember, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. That is a no-no. Especially religious people. Especially the Messiah. And they show back up and they say, uh, Jesus, <laughs> you know people that don't want to quite get to the point to get that little giggle. <laughs> Jesus, what's going on, man? You and her? <laughs> they don't really want to accuse him of anything and read it. It's like awkward. They don't know what to say. Are you hungry? <laughs> what's going on? Cut you some food, Jesus. It's just weird, just really weird. And Jesus knows what's going on. He's like, y'all are questioning what's happening with me. So Jesus just jumps right to the point in verse 28 or, or verse 35, and he says, y'all know the saying? Four months between planting and harvest. But I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. And the harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits the planter and the harvester alike. I want to give you just a few things as we close out today. To help you become a person that goes after the loss. Number one, stop waiting on the right time. Well, when it's harvest time or when the time is right or when I get enough money to give someone a ride or, man, when I get my life right, stop it. You're never gonna get your life right enough to bring somebody to Jesus. At some point, you just gotta be a frail, broken, cracked vessel that lets God use you. Stop it. Quit waiting on the right time. Secondly, quit waiting on someone else to do it. Well, that's the preacher's job. Or that's the missionary's job. Or that's the televangelist's job. Or that's the first person that has it all right. No, no, no. That's not true. It's you. God wants you to do it. Let me give you some tips on how to do that. Just follow the woman at the well. What's the first thing she says? Come see a man. You don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to play music. Just talk about Jesus. Just talk about him. Man, God's good. He's good all the time. He's been so good to me. Man, God is great. Hey, I tell you what God did in my life? See, it's just simple, just like that, just all the time. It's just this thing. Just tell them about And then the next thing, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. So tell them about him and then tell them your story. It is that simple. You ain't got to open your big old family Bible. Plop it out there. You ain't got to do that. Just start talking about what Jesus did in your life. Your testimony. How many got a testimony? Raise your hand. Some of you got a testimony you could write a book about, right? Yeah, raise your hand if that's you. Some of y'all don't feel like your testimony is long enough to fill up a tweet, you know? You're like, I don't, I ain't got no book. Can't It just, I was, I just that happened. Look, it does not matter where you come from. It's a testimony. God saved you. You were once not a people, and now you're a people. Amen? Matter of fact, 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Listen to this. Don't don't tune me out. We're almost done. Chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. It's that simple. All you got to do is tell them about him and tell what he's done in your life. And if that's not enough for you, if it's not enough that God likes the lost, let me tell you one more thing. You can never, ever have a better feeling in the world than that moment of joy when someone that you directed to God that was lost becomes found. Listen to me. I'm telling you as a pastor, there is no greater feeling than seeing that person that you handed a card to, that person you gave a ride to, that person you prayed for for weeks and for months and maybe for years. Walk in and raise that hand up and give their heart to the Lord. There is no better feeling than that.